allow me to suggest something radical. That your reality is a hologram. The fact is, we may all live in the same world with the same problems, but we do not all live in the same reality. The truth is that right now some people are living an impossible life, while others are finding it impossible to even feel like they are living. Whether it's relationships, technology, money, business, health, status, performance, or happiness, not all personal realities are created equal. But if it's true, if personal and social reality at the very least is a hologram, can your hologram be different? In fact, can your hologram be hacked? I'm Jacques Ardgraven, the Technomancer, and alongside my co-host Tony Wake, the Mindwalker, and with our combined 40 plus years of expert experience in mental, personal, physical, digital, persuasive health, lifestyle, and business technologies, we will be bringing you weekly hacks on how to reshape all the core areas of your life. Join us as we go outside the familiar and unlock the mindsets, the secrets, and the distinctions for truly meaningful and never-before-experienced success by masterclassing those who have truly hacked the hologram. Okay, so we're officially live, everybody. It is um, the first episode of Hack the Hologram. I am your host, uh, Shock Art Graven, the Technomancer, and I'm here with my co-host and brilliant genius man of the mind himself, Mr. Tony Wake, the Mind Walker. It's good to have you on here, brother. It's good to be here with you, my good sir, Mr. Art Graven, the Technomancer. I think Already? when when we put our heads together, you know, you with your technology and me with the the knowledge of the mind, <laughs> good things can only happen. Yeah, like I gotta say, like I'm I'm excited for everyone here that's listening in on this because, you know, just like a little thing, like both of us have on average about twenty years, be, uh, you know, of experience behind our belt, and it just it cross pollinates in so many areas, and there's so much that we've got in common in terms of how we see things and strategies that we've seen worked over the years. But, you know, like I've got a massive background in programming and technology and architecture and visual effects and film and new technology and every part of the technical dimension that's out there from building robots to UI strategies. And then my genius friend over here, who's just been a mastermind of everything, influence, everything, performance, the technology of the mind, you know, from managing to building the business to the marketing, the thing, you know, I don't know. I think you can probably go on for hours, you know, just in all this stuff and the years of experiences that you've got. Um, and I think I'm very glad that we're able to do this. Like it's, it's really exciting for me that we're able to bring these, this technical stuff and the psychological factors in on what really makes the difference I think for businesses, you know, we're in this post COVID time where we're trying to come through that and people are trying to figure out how do they, how do they manage in this new normal? You know, how do we manage online businesses? You know, cause this is now the norm. How do we handle remote meetings? How do we take stuff that used to be quite common and deal with them in this, in this new world? You know, how do we handle employee engagement when the only engagement is over zoom or, you know, Microsoft teams. And what are we, how do we tackle that? Like, so these are some things that are very exciting for me along with the show itself. Just, you know, those hacks from relationships to finance, to personnel growth, to, to every aspect of our lives. And those are things that I'm very excited that we're going to be talking to and just the minds that we're going to be bringing in. But I think there's a couple of really good things that's going to come out of these episodes. Tony, what are some interesting things for you about this show and what's going to be coming out of it? Well, the, the main thing for me is I am 
obsessed with learning. Like for the past 20 years, I have like daily, you know, absorbed as much information and practical information, you know, not just, just learning it and being book smart, but actually going out and testing the, the, the stuff that we learn. And with the, the, the show and the episodes that, that are still to come, you know, all the brilliant minds we're going to tap into getting their experience, getting their knowledge on board and learning from some of the greatest minds out there. I'm very excited to go and, and you know, practically take this information and, and putting it out in the field and seeing, you know, how the stuff works because, you know, success leaves clues. The, the, the experts out there and the guys that are actually making the stuff, well, and ladies, let's, let's not be, you know, generalized here, the guys and the ladies who are making this stuff work out there, you know, the minds, I'm, I'm so excited to learn from them and, you know, practically start applying it in my life and see with the, the mass amounts of knowledge between you and me that we already have when we add some of these other great minds and their concepts and experience and results that they've gotten in their lives, when we add it to the mix, I'm really excited to see where this is going and the amazing amount of impact and change that's going to come out of this, this, this whole experience that we're all in together. So <laughs> excitement is, is, you know, really not, not even, not even touching on, on what I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah. Like one of the things that I love about this is just, you know, like both, uh, you know, Tony, I think you'll agree with me on this is that we're both hackers, you know, so to speak, you know, whether it's, it's, it's a hacker of technology and it's a hacker of like success secrets in life, or it's hacking, you know, the human mind and the human potential and you know, what we're capable and what's really possible what's possible socially, what's possible in business, what's possible in, you know, technology and in the world today, because, you know, this is again, like, as we say that, you know, I mean, we may all live in the same world, but we definitely do not all live in the same reality, you know, and all these different versions of realities, how do we hack those? How do we get to the core? And I think that's going to be interesting. So one of the formats and things that I just want to share with, you know, people listening in here and, you know, catching this episode, you'll find from us that we'll, you'll have a weekly episode of the podcast, and these may differentiate because the show itself will be launching in early um, 2020. And look out for that. That's going to be glamorous. It's going to be beautiful and sexy. We're going to give you the best minds. But what we're going to be doing with these, and you're going to start to get a flavor for during these episodes already, is we're not just going to be interviewing people. We're going to be micro-masterminding them. We're literally going to be hacking their model of reality. We're going to go deep dive. We want to see not just the strategies, but what are the beliefs behind it? Why are they doing that? Why does it work in this market, not that market? What are those critical decisions? And, you know, this is the show for anyone that is obsessed with the detail. You don't just want the surface thing. We're not going to fluff around too much. We're going to get straight to the edge. We're going to give you the core ideas and core principles. You know, as Tony says, the practical. You know, there's so much information and that's the problem of today's world. You know, we are in an information age that's just overwhelming. You know, you pick up the net now and there's 9 billion points of view on the same subject, but it's not curated. You know, not only is it not curated, it's a lot of fluff in between it. So we're going to try and get rid of a lot of that fluff and just give you those core concepts and those core ideas and ask those cutting edge questions. And even in today's episode, we're going to be interviewing each other. We're going to be sharing some of each other's interesting views from two different parts of the spectrum, because I think it's something you need, you know, like in today's world is today's world is technology driven. You know, if you're looking at any business, you need to be empowering it from a technical point of view. And it's essential. 
if you don't have the technology down, you're failing. If you don't look at the security, you don't look at your architecture, you don't think how you're scaling, how you are reaching the digital community in which we are all working. And how do you handle that? What are the ins and outs and the details? You're not going to succeed. You cannot help. You cannot just keep outsourcing that to someone else because at some point that person may abandon you or they may lead you down a rabbit hole that doesn't empower you and cost you more money than it's worth. So we're going to try and demystify a lot of concepts for you. And then on top of that, you know, you still need to get your business running. You still need to understand how to communicate. You still need to understand how to influence. You still need to understand how to market, how to manage not only your staff, your team, but yourself, especially in the digital age, because now you're working with people remote. How do you, how do you read them? How do you know what their intentions are? And I know Tony, you've, you know, got quite a bit of forensic profiling experience and knowledge. And, you know, I think people are going to be quite benefit, you know, benefit by learning of those things. That's quite a bit of an interesting background. Can you tell us just a touch about that? Like, where's that even from? What are we going to be looking at during the shows and the episodes? Well, not just the, the, the 20 years of hypnosis behind me, but, you know, hypnosis is a tool. It's, it's something that I personally and a lot of other of my students that I've taught basically use to amplify states, to get somebody into a receptive state in order to do influence, in order to persuade, uh, not just in a hypnotic way in the sense of hypnotherapy or entertainment based, but in leadership. You know, when you are a leader or a manager of a team, how do you influence and persuade them? And in order to do that, it's not an even playing field in all circumstances. Each person is an individual within themselves. And that's why, you know, I studied uh, facial profiling as well. Uh, physiognomy or physiognomy, like they call it, where you learn what the different parts of the face is telling you about the personality of the person. Um, everything from the size and the distance of the eyes to the size of the ears to marks on the face to the size of the mouth and the shape of the chin and the nose and all of those things tell you something about the person's personality. And now a lot of people might ask, okay, but why is it important to know what the personality is about? Well, the moment you know the personality, then there's specific generalizations that go into similar personality types. That is a shortcut system in order to understand how you can linguistically begin to influence and persuade that person, how you can structure your language to get past the, the critical judgment part of the mind and straight into the, the emotional part of the mind, the mind that works with emotions and that is non-logical. And that is where all sales happen. That is where all persuasion happens. That is where all influence happens is on that part of the mind. So the quicker you can get into that aspect and that part of the mind, the quicker you can begin to change the internal reality of that person and get your, your communication through in a way that is unfiltered so that the communication you put through is in line with the intention of the initiation of the communication in the first place. So all of these things is, is what's coming your way through Hack the Hologram and then through the episodes and all that that we're going to be, to be having. Um, it's, it's just, it's so much information that we don't want to bombard you all at once, but there's, there's so much good stuff, you know, that we can delve into that is going to change the way that you uh, see and experience reality. 
And that's not even talking about like all the, all the interesting products and things that we're going to show you. We're going to highlight some of the latest, greatest technology and other innovations in human technology and digital technology. And we're going to be exploring that landscape and what that looks like. And we're going to be helping you, you know, from a point of view to really understand what's going on and what you should be looking at and what's really the junk out there. And we're going to help you get that divide cleared up. So Tony, Let's get into today. How I, I see we've got a couple of thoughts and things we'd like to discuss. What's in your mind? Well, you're the technomancer, right? You know more about technology than the average human being, <laughs> from my experience. <laughs> and when I say the average human being, I mean 90% of the people on the planet. I mean, <laughs> when, when I speak to this guy and he comes with his his coding knowledge and his descriptions and no, you just quickly do this and quickly do that. And he puts me in a trance, you know, just by some of the, some of the language that he uses when it comes to the techno side of things. And I'm like, okay, that's so far above my pay grade when it comes to, to technology. I'll just trust you on that. You know, I'm, I'm sure you know what you're talking about. And he never, he never disappoints, you know, as, as crazy and as, as out there as some of his ideas and thoughts sound, he just never disappoints. So I want to ask you, Mr. Technomancer, let's say I am starting a new project, a new technical project, right? And I come to you and I want to get you on board to, to help me with this, with this technical project that I'll have. What are some of the key issues that produce technical debt in a project and how can we avoid it to really start moving a project forward sure going straight for the uh, for the for the important ones there i see um okay so i think i think <laughs> just something to kind of like like touch on there you know something that you said and i think this is actually this is like a common conversation problem usually between um you know business and the tech team you know like business has a vision you know for the project for the company or where you want to go and then translating that into the technical sometimes creates a lot of problems. And I, I, I like giving the example when people are, you know, saying, oh, they want, a so, for example, a social media application. And in this person's head, they've got Facebook. But they forget that, firstly, how many developers are still actively working for Facebook? This wasn't a product that was built once, small, quick, and it just stayed there. It needed to be maintained. It needed to be evolved. And even today, bugs are still showing up. Like, so firstly, people need to get away from this idea that I've got a quick fix. There is no quick fixes in terms of technology. And one of the biggest reasons for this is because the landscape is consistently evolving. You know, the very architecture that your solution may be running on may become radically outdated in a day if a new security breach is discovered. So unless you're, you, you don't get into tech for a quick win, you know, you get into, twic, into tech for a long-term growth strategy. And again, this is worth the investment because if we look at the, if we look at the billionaire index, you know, the world's richest man isn't selling shoes. He's selling technology services. You know, at this point, you know, technology, the biggest influence in our world are tech companies. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean you need to be purely technology based, but unless you're tech empowered, you're in a very difficult situation to start. So it's very important that you start making yourself savvy about this. 
And, you know, again, like you give uh, people get up that mentality of it's too technical or it's too difficult. Anyone can learn anything. It's just a lot of people will try and make it too technical because they don't want you to know. And that's how that's as simple as it is. Oftentimes when people are giving you a vastly complicated solution or a vastly complicated idea, it's really because they haven't thought through everything and they want to give themselves the buffer. And if you're, if you don't know what questions to ask, you're very likely in the wrong hands and you're very likely setting yourself up for failure. And one of the core things you're going to look at when you're entering these strategies is for example, if we take an old fashioned kind of approach to this thing, and we talk about, for example, agile versus scrum and agile versus scrum is one of the most common things that we'll find in major product based companies versus digital agencies. And each one has its own kind of benefits. And just a little bit of a touch background here. You know, when the FBI first had this massive database that was so disconnected with all their information, they tried to get someone in to write a piece of software. And it was simply just a, a product that just was going nowhere. They were spending millions and no results were being achieved at any point down the line of this journey. And eventually they figured now something else needs to be done. They were ready to scrap the thing. And a very specific individual came in and said, look, I can make this thing work in this set defined period of time, but we're going to work on a strategy that I've introduced and it's going to be run my way. Not everyone's going to throw their ideas into this. And this is usually the problem that happens oftentimes in business. Um, business gives a vision and then they micromanage. They try to micromanage every single aspect of that. But firstly, if you need to micromanage, you're not in a team and you don't have a team that you trust. And that's a problem. Secondly, if you need to micromanage as well, if you're micromanaging, you're creating a sense of anxiety and stress around those developers and you're trying to get them to be performance driven and it's ultimately going to cost more. The average developer should at the most be working on one task a day, you know, on average two days because they need the time to research and investigate and think through the problem completely before actually getting into the development. Because if you just start with the development, you just start with the work, you're going to go and you're going to waste an effort because you're going to figure out things that you could have resolved in advance. You know, a lot of people, for example, look at an application. They're like, oh, these are the wonderful ideas. Um, this is the concept we want to bring out. This is the product. But uh, we also wanted to integrate into Facebook. We also wanted to integrate into this. We wanted to integrate into that. So you say all of that upfront. However, then you start pushing because you want a price tag. You want a timeline and the developers give you a timeline and you get a basic price tag. And now three months goes by when the you know, paperwork's been signed and everything's been done. Now it has to go into development catches. While that happened, Facebook changed their entire API. So all the rules that applied three months ago, no longer apply. <laughs> and we're not playing chess anymore. We're now playing checkers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then everyone's like, well, these were the timelines. Why have they changed? And this is just the reality of technology. You know, you may find something and it may turn out once you're scratching at it, that it's a lot larger. Hence why you should not be, if you're in a position where you're like, okay, just, you know, get it done you're not going to get it done. And that's why there has to be developmental strategies. You know, again, one of the most, the two most common ones is the, is the scrum approach and the waterfall approach. And just in simple terms, like what is that useful for? If you do not, if you have a goal 
you know, we need to get to the moon, right? That's the goal. Um, you don't know how you're going to get to the moon. You have no specific <laughs> plans, everything like that. You just know you have a destination. That's it. That is scrum perfect. Because in that, you're going to be breaking it down. You have the objective. You know where you're going. And then every sprint, you're basically going to say, these are the first things we need to do. We need to do the research. Out of the research, now that we've done the research, now we're going to look at this. Now we're going to look at that. Now we're going to start building this and building that and iterating this and iterating that. The beauty about this approach, though, it is the thing that ensures consistent movement forward. You don't necessarily have a certain timeline, but you've got a large enough budget and you can really invest to deal with all the problems because as their problems come up, you solve them. You realize in doing this, oh, we need to now supply and handle a, a new set of laws. We're moving into a new country. For example, let's just say you wanted to launch an application and you launch the application, but now you realize, oh, you need to launch in three other countries as well because you've just built a new business partnership. Well, the catch is each of those different countries have their own legal rules when it comes to privacy information of your users. The management and holding of data that you have to comply by in order to do trade inside of those countries. And with your users being in those countries and their data being there and people's rights to their data, if you didn't consider that upfront, that's a problem. Now, if you had a scrum approach, again, like now as that problem is, is discovered, now you can solve it. Now you can look at the strategy and everything like that. However, let's just say you're so, just, yeah. So, so scrum is basically to build momentum and keep the momentum going. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in essence, okay. like, I mean, there's, there's more to it and like, we'll, we'll look at spaces where we'll talk a bit more about simple strategies for that. But in, in a nutshell, that's what it kind of allows you to do. It allows you to continually move the piece forward, especially while you're still defining the vision. You have, may have a very broad vision of a project, but you don't even know the stuff that you don't know. Like if you had Neuralink, you know, for example, you might take a scrum approach for that because you know, you want to implant something in people's brains. You have no idea what the risks are as yet. So those are things you still have to figure out and resolve as you progress, you know, down the path. Um, where, whereas if you've designed a product, let's just say you've designed a, a smart a smart, um, a smart house a solution. The product's finished. You've built the product. Now you need to get that product to market. And you have a specific, clearly defined strategy. I have six months to do this. I want to hit TV, I want to hit radio, and I want to hit web. Now, in order for me to do this, I want to have a look and feel that hits this demographic for the website and a look and feel that hits this demographic for the TV show. Your end goal is clearly defined. You're out and it's, it's not a variable. It's not, you're not going to change halfway through the demographic. You know exactly what the, you're not going to look at the feedback coming up as you would in terms of the scrum and then adjust to the scrums. That's the goal. That's the outcome. That's what you need to, and that's what you're going to hit. And this is the most common thing you're going to get when you're coming to agencies. And this also opens up a lot of kind of different possibilities because again, a client will usually come to the agency and they'll go and say, Hey, look, I have this idea. This is, this is my vision. Make it happen. The problem <laughs> is, then the vision comes to fruition and it doesn't match your internal vision because you failed to communicate your vision. 
Mm. And on top of that, if you were urgent and rushing and you were like, oh, this is my budget. Let, I just need, this is how much money I get, make it happen. That kind of, you know, non-involved kind of idea. You can put yourself up for serious, serious risk down the line. But, you know, this is something we can talk about in a different area because it doesn't really hit the strategy. But fundamentally, what you want to look at is you want to be able to make those decisions up front. Is it something you clearly know and you can properly define it? But when you do understand that you're taking ownership from it, you are achieving, you, you've got clear definitions and clear outcomes and clear goals. That's the waterfall. If, however, you don't, you've got more of a scrum approach, in which case you basically have a broad timeline and a specific budget that you need to operate and you want to see all the stuff that you can do. So developing new products or new concepts, new ideas fall better into that. Finishly developed ones or specific target ends fall better into waterfall. So speaking of development and like you say, you need to, to take responsibility for it. If I want to develop, let's say an application, do I need a technical team or a single developer to pull off that application? And why can't I just basically set it up using, let's say WordPress or some other open source solution? Sure. Like I love that one because I think it's, it's the, it's the safe one that a lot of people think they can do. They go like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't spend that much money. Cause let's be honest, like developers, senior resource developers are expensive. They're pricey. Very pricey. You know, if you're looking at a senior, you're, you're looking on average, depending on the technology between 60 to 120,000 a month. It's a, it's a lot of money that, and now you look at, you've got to put teams together, you got growth and, and a lot, there's, there's a lot of challenges, but then you see like somebody popping out of the window and that person goes like, no, 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 I'll just build this for you for 20,000 bucks and they'll use WordPress or they'll use something like that. Or you go, you know, I just really need an e-commerce site, you know, quick. I just need to sell some products. I can get WooCommerce installed on a, on a, on a WordPress website and there's already a quick fancy template and that's going to cost me, you know, $50 and I can use some cheap hosting, you know, service that's out there and they have an automatic deploy for WordPress. And this is, I can do this myself. I can learn how to do WordPress over a weekend, you know, and I can just put my site together over a month in my own time. And this seems like the easy approach. So here's what's not being considered inside of the situation. The reason those developers are so ridiculously expensive, firstly, is because of perfect control over the technology, right? It's your ability to make the thing look, feel, operate exactly the way you envision it. That's, 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 that's the first part. The second part is when you're developing this thing from the ground up and you're working with a professional team and you're working with people that know what they are doing, they are going to take into consideration the things that you are just not aware of. If you are simply putting out a basic marketing site, that's just information. Sure, you can put up a WordPress site, but here's the thing that you're not thinking about. Every single month, and even less than that, that development of that open source project goes through its releases and does updates. It patches security problems. It does little improvements to the system. It introduces new bugs sometimes, and it, it, it fixes other ones. The catch is the second that gets released, and it's now available for download, the release notes gets made public. And here's where the problem comes in. The very second the release note becomes public, 
that means every hacker in the world can now access it. Every hacker in the world has a basic description of every risk, problem, and vulnerability in your website. Now, on top of that, lots of them, and you can go like, but my business isn't that important, so why would that affect me? The fact of the matter is, yeah, yeah I'm, just, I'm just testing. I'm just a small commerce store or something like that. Why would this bother me? They're not, I'm not, I'm not the government. I'm not a bank. You don't have to be a government okay. or a bank. Yeah. Um, the fact is a lot of hackers um, and even, you know, mild-mannered pen testers are actively... Mm-hmm in their learning process, while they're developing these skills, they are learning to write basic spiders and bots that literally do this. They simply find exploits. They scribe the net to find exploits based upon the information that they gather so they can keep improving this thing to do the legwork for them because you never know. Firstly, it helps them to build better products that they can then sell. Secondly, they may find more information because at the end of the day, what's the current, there's two currencies in our digital world today. It's attention and it's Mm -hmm. database, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have people's personal information in that. That's, that's the currency that's being sold on the internet today. And that's what people want. So it doesn't matter that you're not a fortune 500 company. It matters that there's a vulnerability that's available that you are not aware of and they are, and they're going to exploit it. Now, the same thing, you took up that cheap hosting. Well, that cheap hosting usually has 20 other websites or companies or more on the same server. So what they are not going to do is upgrade those servers with the latest patches and the latest security solutions. Because if they do, then every one of their clients has to be notified to update their technology. So they're just not going to put them through that hassle. I'm I'm just I'm just picturing this in my mind. It's like 20 people living in the, under the same house, and all you need is one of them to get COVID, and everyone else is going to have the same that's, thing. That's that's literally it. You know, like exactly we we lock ourselves away from other people, you know, due to COVID, but we trust ourselves in far more vulnerable settings with our personal information and our company's information. You're doing credit card transactions on your website. And another person who's got a site on that same server or that same architecture, uh, it's you're, you're just, you're lost, you know, and you're vulnerable. And you know, when, 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 when that thing becomes a critical issue, when that thing goes to court, your statement of, I didn't know is not going to protect you. It's going to destroy your mm-hmm. reputation your image. We know of how many big companies that have been destroyed, you know, because of their databases and their information being, and, and the credibility is gone. You know, you're not just getting that yeah, back. Trust, once, once, once the trust is broken, it's, it's game over. Exactly, exactly. And there are tons of competitors ready to pounce, ready to jump and take your information. So yeah, you need to understand. And then on top of this, now look at this world that we live in as well, because what if other hackers decide on an exploit? Or just let's just say you're on that server and one of those other sites gets 50 times the traffic because they run a promotion. Now suddenly that server is being crashed with more and it's just a computer or it's just another machine in a network infrastructure that's now suddenly getting more people on it, which means suddenly your site goes down and you don't even know about it. People are to, and you're losing business, you know, as a result of it, your, your stuff doesn't serve. It becomes unresponsive and people just don't go back to your site. 
So unless you understand scale, unless you're understanding, and, and that's why learning these things takes a long time. That's why there's complete dedicated professions around each and every one of these aspects of technology. You don't go, there's just one techie. You know, there's just, there's the tech guy. Like you had this in all the old companies. There was the, the IT manager that, that IT manager doesn't know that stuff. He is not that skilled. He knows how to install the office network and he understands how to make sure your, your office 365 license is working and change some of the servers. <laughs> you know, he doesn't necessarily have the knowledge of scaling for infrastructure. You know, I'm not mm. saying all of them don't, but I am saying that you need to be careful. You need to look at what you're being paid for and what people are being paid for. Um, and that's mm. why you get specialists. And look, we're going to try and give you a lot of insights and talk to a lot of professionals throughout the show um, and get those points of view. So you get an idea of what is the cloud? How does it operate? And how does it relevant to you? Why should you pick Azure versus Google Cloud versus AWS? You know, latency mm -hmm. and countries versus security versus compliance. There's so many things that you need to be considering in today's world. Otherwise, you are never going to be in a place where you can scale to play with the big dogs. It's that simple. Well, that, that brings me to the next question. What are the, the most important considerations in a new digital project or a new um, application? You know, what, what are some of the, the considerations that businesses need to look at when they, when they start thinking of a, a new digital project or application? Well, I think, I think it's the, the two things that are, are oftentimes, well, for people that are more experienced, this obviously makes sense. But for somebody just starting off, it's usually the two things that are the least thought about. And it is UX and architecture. And in, in, in that, that, it's that UX DevOps balance, so to speak. You know, the DevOps describes very much, you know, the deployment of an infrastructure and the management of that pipeline, including its security. And, and those are broken down into more sections, not only DevOps, um, but also SecOps, which is you know, a more up and coming trend now, which is doing the security level checks at the moment of the code being deployed and your infrastructure being spun up so you can handle zero downtimes and you can handle faster deployments and you can handle scaling to size based upon demand. So you know, again, that's a core thing that needs to be considered. Um, it's great putting up, and that's why the application is sometimes the smallest part. You know, the business logic um, is, you know, you can get programmers, you can work on the code, you can keep evolving that thing. But if the root is, is, is broken, it's going to be an issue. Let's just say, as a simple example, you've built a great application. It's fantastic. People love this product, right? You built the new Uber, the new um, take a lot, the new whatever it is, right? Catch. You didn't consider your security. You didn't consider your architecture. Now a Black Friday sale hits and your site goes down. Too many people on your site, it becomes unresponsive. Everyone goes on to the next one because they need to buy and you've lost all that business. Secondly, now let's just say you get caught up in a hack. One of your clients, you know, that has maybe, or one of your team or something like that, that maybe has escalated privileges um, leaves that account unlocked, gets his password compromised. There's so many ways that that happens. And now your database wasn't separated in an intelligent way. And it was just an open kind of a thing. You know, like a lot of people still use that, you know, PHP, my admin, when they're setting up a basic, you know, website database, and there's one root account that handles all the database queries. That, that one account gets compromised. 
all of your companies that use your, your system is compromised versus if you've considered separating each of those organizations or user groups, um, whether by organization, by geolocation, by whatever, into individual instances, you know, if one gets compromised, that's one. And you probably, if you're smart, you've got a backup strategy that handles that redeployment. Uh, and the same thing with your separation of the rules and the laws change in one area. You don't have to affect change in all of them. You can affect change in that one until you're ready to scale out to the other groups. You know, and the same Lockdown, thing. Lockdown, quarantine, baby. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but then it's great if your system is now in this place, you know, you've got CDNs, distributed networks, which serves your web application up in the area that it's in, in the area the user is connecting from. So they don't have to go out of the country to another exchange, to another one to get the site and then all the way back to get the response. They just, it hits the closest mm. one and they get the fastest feedback. And this was, you know, something I always laugh at. I, I often hear people like complaining about their internet speed when it's actually not even their internet speed. They have a two meg, 200 meg or 20 meg or a hundred meg line or whatever it is. And the application that they're hitting or the sites that they're hitting are actually just the servers that they're on and they're connecting to are so far. And the journey between all the exchanges that has to happen is usually what actually takes so long to get that site delivered to you. And it's not what people think it is. Now, the other part of this thing is just what about that experience? And that's, that's why the user experience is critical. You know, again, like it's not a discipline that we took seriously many years ago. You know, it was kind of like the aftermath. Even programmers said that, you know, I make it function. I don't make it pretty. Um, <laughs> the catch is, and as much as I myself was a big fan of that philosophy, you know, for a period of time, your user experience, the visuals is psychology and it is influence. It is that at its mm -hmm. core base. It's simple. The choice of colors, the choice of layout, the choice of imaging, and the experience itself. If your site does run into a, a situation where um, suddenly it becomes unresponsive, what happens? User clicks a bunch of times and, and nothing happens, and eventually the screen freezes, and he's like, oh, this is crap. Did my transaction go through? You know, am I stuck now? This person is paranoid. They don't know if they can trust your site. A good user experience design takes this into consideration. And when they're doing this piece, they're also going, that's when you sometimes have the little character that pops up and go like, oh, this is taking longer than expected. Oh, there's been a problem. There's a consistent conversational communication happening. And this is stuff that's continually to because this field of UX Spits, it has grown up so massively. We've moved from just standard user experience design to customer experience design. We're looking at things like conversational experience design. Am I integrating chatbots? How am I interacting with my audience? And how am I understanding my audience in order to build experiences that are catered to them? And inside of this match good principles inside of design. You know, I, I can give the, I won't mention the client's name, but we worked with a, um, a, pop, a, a big bank in the country and we were able to take their loans department from a five mil to a 25 or 23.5 mil in a period of two months by not changing any infrastructure, by not introducing any new technology, by simply changing their user experience on their homepage. Holy crap. In a two month period of time. That's the kind of difference this stuff makes. And people are like, oh no, it just, it just needs to look pretty. There's a psychology here. And it's the thing mm -hmm. that determines why people go on your site and choose your service 
versus the other one. In fact, if you step into, um, I believe it's um, Uber Eats, uh, Uber's offices, or it may be um, one of the other distributors, there's actual experience cards where they define the archetypes of the different users. And when you come in, when the design team comes in and the developers come in, they see that and they stop thinking about them as users. They start thinking about the people they're interacting with as individuals. And they know how to serve up experiences that are relevant to those individuals. They, and this is again, it's business. It's knowing your niche. It's identifying your client and your clients, clients, you know, if necessary and their family and dealing with those things. This is understanding your client and making them feel understood and connected to, are you connecting at that micro level? You know, and this is again, why we talk about micro transactions during the shopping experience, during the user experience. And, and again, going beyond just, not just the application, but modern day design, digital narratives, your narrative doesn't stop at the website. What about the mobile app? What about the Facebook ad? What about the Facebook ad? Are these disconnected? You know, is there different kind of personalities in that communication or do they speak up and do those bold, a similar kind of philosophy? These are the cores. And if these ones are missed, there's only one final one that needs to be considered very priorly. And that is the tasting cycle. You know, Netflix has um, a tasting strategy that they, that they coined that they started called um, chaos tasting. And in chaos tasting, one of the things that they would do is they would literally break a portion of the architecture. So they would deliberately. literally, yeah, deliberately, they would deliberately suddenly break a database or deliberately suddenly break a network connection or drop a hard drive or a memory or something. And then go, have we catered for this? Not only from an infrastructure point of view, but from a user experience point of view. It's almost like a digital fire drill. <laughs> exactly. Like just coming up because the thing is you can't wait for you know, the crap to hit the fan. If you do that, you are behind in the game. Mm. And somebody that's investing more time, the one person that didn't take that WordPress route that paid the big development team and he worked on his security team and he worked on his UX team, they've already looked at this. And now you are the rank amateur that doesn't know what you're doing versus the professionals that weren't affected by this, that already had to solve and are writing papers about this and releasing ideas about this. And everyone is looking at them as the authorities of the industry. These are the, these are the core ones, like the business logic, you know, the strategy, the programming, your technology is always going to change. Language is always going to change. It's going to evolve. Today's framework is going to be out of date tomorrow. And you want to have, make sure that you're picking frameworks and technology that are doing things, but those are always change. You can rewrite, you can alter, but if those two parts and that, and with that third one are not fundamentally considered, you're playing a losing game. Let me ask you now that, that, that we've, we've touched on the considerations and whether you need a team or just a singular developer, how long, and the big question most businesses are going to ask, how much should I be prepared to invest in, let's say a new website? If I'm going to bring up a new website, how long and, and how much should I be prepared to, to invest and to, to wait for that website to be up, to be live, to be fully functional and to be as, as hardcore tested and all the, the, the loopholes covered as you've just described? Well, the, the fundamental truth is that there is no set definite time. Um, there's, there's always this 
this concept and it, it's very common like a lot of young digital agencies that don't have the experience um, or that has a formula if there's a formula in other words they've maybe pre-written sets of those solutions you know they've pre-developed certain sets of those solutions then they can very easily say to you this will take x amount of time um, because all that they're really charging you for is for the custom ux and ui that's going to go onto something that's already built your you need to make the decision though if that is a risk that you're willing to run because what happens when that contract is finished and you're leaving that agency do you have a signed retainer with them to keep handling the security you know, to continue to develop the science, the technology. What happens if you need to move away now to another hosting company or another partnership or something like that? Where is the ownership and liability of that code? And on top of that, how easy is it to find development resources for that coding language that you've built in or that infrastructure or that technology that you've built in? So this is, the, this is the truth about the matter. There is no set time. There is set prices for quality that you're gonna be getting. And the fact of the matter is, if you're paying cheap, you're co it's costing you more. It's either gonna cost you more in terms of time or it's gonna cost you because it's lacking security options in the process. The average development for product pipeline is one to three years you know, many areas because that's how much really needs to be considered inside of, inside of the experience. And that's how long it actually takes you to really bring things to full fruition. That doesn't mean that's how long it takes you to get something into product. So the thing that we need to do is we need to get our mindsets away of like, there's a start and an end point when it comes to tech. There isn't, you know, there's, you know, is an end point is the beginning of another set of journeys and discoveries and problems you're going to face. It's, it's an ever ongoing process. What is achievable though, is if you paid attention in that first part and you did proper planning, you defined a proper scrum strategy, a proper water plan, you broke down everything. You knew every part that you were going to bring into this project and this experience. And you defined that into an order of priority and you applied an 80, 20 rule to it, you know, because, and you, and, and by that, I mean, you take 80% of your work effort is to the 20% of your idea that's going to give the best and most focused immediate return. You know, like at the end of the day, Twitter is a glorify, was a glorification of the text message. You know, Instagram mm. is simply posting a picture. That's it. Mm. Like that's the core model, but these are organizations that have massive development teams that spend you know, millions on architecture and infrastructure. And again, make billions on top of that uh, because of how effective it is. All those refined details, like your ability to get, you know, a product to market is also is, is what's important. And that's why you need to be making your decision. It's great to have your great vision. It's great to have this perfect vision that your store is going to have VR experiences and it's going to have that. But the fact of the matter is you may be investing something that may never have a return for you. A lot of people get very excited with new ideas like they just take VR and they're like, oh, we want to build this in virtual reality and we'll do that. And I'm a fan of VR. There's a lot of potential for VR, but the reality of the, reality of the matter is most people can't afford it. You know, they don't have the access to the technology. 
You know, you may be playing in the complete wrong ballpark. You should have been testing just a simple web app first or just a mobile app first and then scaling based upon testing and not scaling and not investing just because you thought it was a good idea. Unless you're getting feedback, and that's why you've got to get the minimal viable product out to market immediately. But in doing so, do not scrape the legwork in terms of those principles we mentioned earlier. Your, your infrastructure, how is it going to scale? How's the security going to happen? You know, how are you going to be able to lift and shift when you need to? And the UX and UI, and how are you testing this? Define those first. You would say, you would say that's the, the best return on investment strategy for long-term development, right? Yes. Because again, like once you've, you've, you've kind of figured out, again, like Amazon started making more of their success uh, when they recognized at that time that they weren't selling products. They were mm. offering a platform for selling products, but what they were really responsible for was getting that product to the client. They were actually in the delivery business. Mm. And when they recognized mm. what the actual core of their business was, and they focused on that, then they grew, then they could scale. And then it becomes easy to purchase and pay for all the other things and the other developments and the fancy stuff and the you know, pipe dreams and the experiences and expressions, because then you've got your core sorted out. But you should be looking at the bottom focus, the core value offering, and that's your only thing. Don't get distracted by the other stuff, because again, your client doesn't even know yet. He just wants to get that one idea. The biggest companies in the world do the simplest things. Wow. Well, that's that. That's about it. Um, that was a lot. I think we are running out of time for this episode, though. Um, we'll get into into more of the the mind stuff in a, in a follow up episode. But for now, Mister Technomancer, thank you so much. I think for especially for myself, I've picked up a a bunch of of, of concepts and core ideas here. Um, yeah, I think my my WordPress sites are going to be to be handed over. To, to someone of your caliber just to, to start changing that up a bit. Um, let's, let's just call this an eye-opening experience, especially or at least from, from my perspective. <laughs> I'm glad. But uh, yeah, I, I trust that a lot of the other listeners um, also picked up a lot of tips and, and ideas and knowledge from, from this, this podcast, um, especially from somebody from your caliber who's been in the industry for so many years and has worked with like world-class massive companies and, and being in directorships and, and leading development teams as, as you have. So thank you so much for, for all that information. Thank you for sharing. And yeah, we, we, we look forward to where this is going and, you know, getting, getting more tips and, and, ideas and knowledge from from you regarding that in in future as we go along i'm also looking forward to some of your brilliant ideas and i'm looking forward to the next episode where we get to explore a little bit about the psychology and all the other things that you get to share with us thank you so much for the conversation and i look forward to our next one yeah then we're going to delve into you know what to to think about in terms of thinking and about specifically communication because now with, with the podcast going, you know, um, communication is at the core of it. Like you said, when we start, when, when you started this, the biggest challenge that there is, is between the, the business owners having an idea and how to communicate that effectively through to the technical department to turn that idea 
into the, the actual finished product. Mm. So we're going to look at the communication challenges that there are. Um, we're going to touch on that. I'm also going to think of or, or give through the ideas of thinking regarding the purpose of communication and what communication actually is. And there's basically just three purposes. But we'll cover all of that in, in the next episode, um, looking at communication, uh, empathy specifically, and also, you know, uh, navigating ambiguity, you know, ambiguity in language and communication and how dangerous a trap that actually is, especially in business. But yeah, so um, we'll catch you on the next episode. Mr. Odd Graven Technomancer, thank you so much. To work, Mindwalker is good always as usual catching up to you. And for everybody listening, thanks for joining us today. Catch the next episode in the following week. Um, and we're looking forward to after that bringing you some exciting interviews and some exciting conversation pieces as we start getting into those micro master classes, you know, which is something I'm personally looking forward to. For everyone at home, oh, yeah. everyone listening, um, please uh, subscribe, like, share these ideas, um, and let's help everybody navigate these difficult times and make sure that we're getting to the right information as we need it. If you've got any questions and there's anything you'd like to share or discuss with us, please email us at support at hackthehologram.com um, with any of your questions, ideas, or things that you'd like to see us discuss or, or guests that you would like to see us bring onto the show. For myself, Shocker Graven, it's been great having, having you here with us. It's been great chatting with you, Tony, and have a fantastic day. Yeah, and from me, Tony Wake, thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to building this and, and walking this journey together with all of you. And yeah, I like I said, I'm very excited for things to come and I hope we can get to share this excitement together. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.